Welcome to Until the Whole World Hears, the radio ministry of Pastor Jimmy Morales. Pastor Jimmy teaches the Word of God verse by verse as Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel Lone Mountain in Las Vegas, Nevada. Today's broadcast is part two of Pastor Jimmy's message from Esther chapter six. We left off at the very end of the chapter, with Haman at his wit's end after having to exalt Mordecai, whom he hated. Now, his wife gives him an ominous warning that he will never prevail against Mordecai and the Jews. On the other hand, he was still invited to the second royal banquet. What's going to happen to Haman? Let's open our Bibles to the end of Esther chapter 6 and find out. I remember years ago, we went on one of these Duck Creek camping trips. What a wonderful time it was. You know, up there at Duck Creek, the stars come out at night in such a way that it almost seems like there's no place in the universe that's not saturated with them. They're just everywhere. There's not a thing in the universe, in, in the sky that you miss shooting stars and Milky Ways and galaxies, all there laid open to the naked eye. I remember one of the nights we were there, I, I just couldn't sleep. I, I don't sleep a lot. I, I ride on five, six hours normally. And, and so everybody passed out around nine or so, and that was way too early for me. So I decided to just go hang out outside by myself. And, and I walked out to a picnic bench in a small clearing outside the cabin we were staying at. And I laid on the picnic bench and I looked up, looked up into the sky. All around us were these giant mammoth pine trees, 100 feet up in the air. And, and they were surrounding the picnic bench so that all I could see was through the trees, I could see this hole that looked up into the sky, and, and, I, and I thought to myself, what an amazing thought. Here I am under these trees, dwarfed by them. I'm a speck amongst these trees. And here these trees, if you look at them from outer space, well, they're a speck on this planet. And here this planet, if you look at it from out there in the universe, is nothing more than another one of those specks in the sky. In fact, compared to the other ones out there, it's a very small one. It's one of the smaller planets in, in the whole universe. And all of a sudden it dawned on me what David was talking about. And as I lay there, I... I started to feel tears just come out of the side of my eyes as I said to the Lord, Lord, here I am, a speck underneath a bunch of specks on a speck amongst billions of specks. And yet, you're listening to me because you care about me. We like to compare it to if you cared for an ant and you showed that ant great tender affection and loved it, but it's different because it's even bigger than that. 
If you cared for one of the atoms on an ant, Adam ant, you, you would be like God caring for you. An atom, on a speck on a speck in a speck among specks. And yet here God is caring for you. I don't know about you, but that's comforting when I look up at that sky and I see that the very same God who took all those stars, all those galaxies, all those Milky Ways, and, and, and he spread them like a curtain with one hand, that he takes special interest in me. That he takes special interest in you and what's going on in your life. Isn't that a mind blower? Isn't that just amazing? Mordecai wasn't rewarded at the time, but again, we see God's providence because God would reward him in due time. Had he been rewarded earlier when this happened, then the record would have been read and the king would have said, so how was this man? What honor or dignity has been bestowed on Mordecai for this? And they would have said, oh, he was given a lot of money and he was given a reward. And he would have said, oh, good, keep reading. And Mordecai, in a few hours, would have been hanged on that gallow. But God knew back then when Mordecai might have felt slighted, when Mordecai might have felt overlooked, when Mordecai might have felt blown off, God knew then that now wasn't the time to exalt Mordecai, that now wasn't the time to recognize Mordecai. Maybe you sometimes feel like nobody appreciates you. Maybe you do things for people. Maybe you pour out your life for others and they don't appreciate it. Maybe you work so hard for your boss, but he passes you up for raises every year. Maybe you work so hard for your spouse, but all she does or all he does is complain about what you don't do. Maybe you serve your heart out in the ministry, but nobody ever even notices. Let me assure you of this. God does. God notices. God sees you. And in due time, if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, he will exalt you. He will lift you up. Why? Because he cares for you. So, the king couldn't sleep. God's providence Here's another person who couldn't sleep. Haman couldn't sleep. Look at verse 4. So the king said, who's in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to suggest that the king hang Mordecai on the gallows that he had prepared for him. The king's servant said to him, Haman's there standing in the court. And the king said, let him come in. So Haman came in and the king asked him, what shall be done for the man whom the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought in his heart, wicked dude, whom would the king delight to honor more than me? And Haman answered the king, for the man whom the king delights to honor, let a royal robe be brought which the king has worn, and a horse on which the king has ridden, which has a royal crest placed on its head. Then let his robe and horse be delivered to the hand of the one of the king's most noble princes, that he may array the man whom the king delights to honor. Then 
parade him on horseback through the city square and proclaim before him, thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. Then the king said to Haman, hurry, take the robe and the horse as you have suggested and do so for wah, wah, wah. Mordecai the Jew, who sits within the king's gate. Leave nothing undone of all that you have spoken. So Haman took the robe and the horse, arrayed Mordecai, and led him on horseback through the city square, and proclaimed before him, Thus shall it be done to the man whom the king delights to honor. <laughs> I wonder how much sleep has been lost on wicked plans. I wonder how much sleep has been lost on schemes of revenge, on plots for vengeance. I know for myself, before God got a hold of my heart on this subject, I spent many a night laying in bed, figuring out how to get even with people, figuring out how to really mess people up who messed with me. And I lost many a night's sleep laying there scheming and plotting. And oh, how the wicked schemes and oh, how the wicked plans. And oh, how much sleep they lose. Paul says regarding the wicked in Romans chapter 3, verse 13, he says, he says, their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. They don't know the way of peace. They lay there, and they scheme. They weigh there, lay there, and they finish, figure out how to take their own misery and transfer it to the lives of others. They plan, they scheme, they plot, and they rarely sleep. Haman was a wealthy man. Haman was a powerful man. But all his money and all his power couldn't buy him sleep that night as he planned to destroy Mordecai. He probably laid there and listened to the hammers of the gallows being built and did nothing but toss and turn as he schemed, as he waited for his wicked plan to be brought forth. A bed, money will buy a bed but not sleep, books, but not brains, food, but not appetite, finery, but not beauty, a house, but not a home, medicine, but not health, luxuries, but not culture, amusements, but not happiness, religion, but not salvation a passport to everywhere, but not to heaven. And so it is. Wicked Haman laid there hoping to hang Mordecai. Instead, the next morning, he hauled Mordecai 
He had to put him on the horse and lead him around the city square. Now, we see how wicked Haman was in his suggestion to the king because we know where he was going with it. He was hoping to wear the royal robe, to ride the horse with the king's crest on it, and to have everybody, the, the prince shouting out, thus the king wanted to exalt this man so that the next logical step for him would be to execute the king. A man this wicked could never be satisfied being second in command. And so he would execute the king, and it would be the natural selection for him to step into the throne because he had already been exalted in the king as being worthy of eating dinner with the king's wife, with the queen, being worthy of coming into the king's bedroom, not just his throne room, and of riding on the king's horse, wearing the king's robe, wearing the king's signet ring, and having the king's princes bow down to him. It was just a natural step for him to kill the king and step into the throne. Instead, God turned it around. The psalmist says in Psalm 33, verse 10, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. Haman's plan? Let Mordecai see him honored by the king. Then watch Mordecai hang. Then eat dinner with the queen. But instead, God reversed his plans completely. Instead, he would let Mordecai watch him exalt Mordecai. He would see himself hanged on the gallows, and he would see Mordecai exalted to eat with the king and the queen. God completely turned it around. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8, Solomon says, the righteous is delivered from trouble, and it comes to the wicked instead. Then in Proverbs 18, verse 12, he goes on to say, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Isn't that amazing that a comma can be the difference between night and day, between light and dark, between despair and hope? In the front of the comma, it says, before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty. Oh, the heart of that man is so lifted up, and then, and then he, destruction comes. But he says, before honor is humility. The man who walks in humility, what did Peter say? God will exalt him in due time. Before honor is humility. The king couldn't sleep, Haman couldn't sleep, and then after this, Mordecai couldn't sleep. To have Haman come to his bedroom and say, hey, get up. The king wants to exalt you. Get on the king's horse, wear his robe. I'm supposed to pull you around the city square. Can you imagine how Mordecai must have felt? It says, verse 12, afterward, Mordecai went back to the king's gate. Why? The workday was done. He spent the whole day. It was already dinner time. It was time for the banquet. And yet he went back to the king's gate. Why? Because now he was wide awake. He couldn't sleep. He was so excited. The psalmist says in Psalm 5, verse 11, 
but let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. You know, maybe tonight you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I don't have that kind of joy. I love the Lord, but I don't have that kind of joy. I don't feel like shouting for joy in the middle of my trial. Let me tell you this, you keep trusting him and you will. You keep hanging on to him and his word. You keep humbling yourself under his mighty hand and he will exalt you and there will be joy and there will be rejoicing and you will have your sleepless nights not because of restlessness but because of great rest because you'll be so rested you'll be ready to go celebrate. You'll be ready to go out and dance. You'll be ready to go out and sing. You'll be ready to go out and shout it on the rooftops. Our God is great and greatly to be praise. And so Mordecai couldn't sleep. Unfortunately for Haman, though, he hurried to his house, mourning and with his head covered. And when Haman told his wife Zeresh and all his friends everything that had happened to him, his wise men and his wife Zeresh said to him, if Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall, is of Jewish descent, you will not prevail against him, but will surely fall before him. Ouch. This is his wife who suggested build a 75-foot gallow and hang this Jewish guy. Now she's saying, oh, if this guy who you had to escort is Jewish, ooh, you're in trouble. You're, you, you better turn around. This isn't going to work. The Persians were very superstitious people, and so they could turn at the, at the drop of a hat. On one day they think something's great, the next day the wind will blow a different direction, and they'll think, oh no, we're not supposed to do it. Very superstitious. And so here his wife is actually giving him some wisdom, saying, hey, honey, you need to read the signs here. You know, the handwriting's on the wall, honey. Don't do it. Meeny, meeny, tekel up harsin, where the hand, where the, was the writing that Belshazzar saw on the wall. Now Haman's seeing the writing on the wall, and he's realizing, hey, you know what? This isn't going to work. If he was wise, he would turn around. Haman found no comfort in going to his wise men. It says, while they were still talking with him, the king's eunuch came, eunuch came and hastened to bring Haman to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. There was no comfort for Haman, not even in his great kids, as he bragged earlier, not in his incredible power, as he bragged earlier, not in his wealth, as he bragged earlier. The very things that brought him comfort, the very things that he comforted himself with, could no longer bring him comfort. In 1835, a man visited a doctor in Florence, Italy. He was filled with anxiety and exhausted from lack of sleep. He couldn't eat, and he avoided his friends. The doctor examined him and found that he was in prime physical condition, concluding that his patient needed to have a good time. The physician told him about a circus in town, and its star performer, a clown named Grimaldi. Night after night, he had the people rolling in the aisles. You must go and see him, the doctor advised. Grimaldi is the world's funniest clown. He'll make you laugh and cure your sadness. No, replied the despairing man. He can't help me. You see, I am Grimaldi. 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon said there are dungeons beneath the castle of despair. And so Haman is discovering, sooner or later, your wickedness will find you out. Maybe as we talk about insomnia tonight, maybe you're having trouble sleeping these days. Maybe you're laying in bed worrying about the thing that you've been dealt, the cards that have come your way. Maybe you're laying in bed trying to figure out how to deal with the issues that are going on in your life. Might I encourage you tonight to cast your cares upon him because he cares for you? You can sleep tonight because God never sleeps. In Lamentations chapter 3, Jeremiah says in the 22nd verse, through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Get this, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's been said by zoologists that many animals are up all night working feverishly to rebalance the ecosystem that is so messed up during the day. And I think there's some truth to that. But I think even more truthfully, our God is up all night balancing the wicked things that go on throughout the day, preparing new mercies for every morning so that we can rest in peace knowing that when we wake up, he will have been on the throne all night long caring for the things that concern us, caring for the things that bring anxiety into our lives, caring about the things that stress us out today. Would you be willing to trust him? Maybe you say, well, I don't, I don't know him that well. I don't, I don't know if I can trust him. Well, let's start with this. Have you trusted in his son for the forgiveness of sins? Have you trusted in his son for everlasting life? Do you believe that he's able to save you from hell? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is, is death. And yet, the Bible also says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Do you believe God gave his son to die on that cross for your sins? Do you believe he gave his son to die on that cross so that we could spend eternity in heaven with him? Would you be willing to put your trust in him tonight? It starts there. And then if you are a believer here tonight, and I believe 99% of you are, if you're a believer here tonight, do you believe that God saved you 
to forsake you? Do you believe that God, who spared not his own son, will now not spare any expense to deliver you up? Do you believe that what God starts, he will finish? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He didn't start with you to leave you to figure it out for yourself. He started with you to finish what he began. Would you be willing to trust him tonight to do just that? Would you be willing to cast your cares upon him so that tonight you can close your eyes and say, Lord, I will not fear what the enemy can do to me because tonight I know that you're sitting on your throne causing all things to work together for good to me who love you and are called according to your purpose. If you would, tonight I want to pray for you. God's promise to work all things for good is a faithful promise to those who have surrendered to him. Haman couldn't claim that promise, and he had no hope of God's protection. On the other hand, we can claim that promise if we have surrendered our heart, mind, and spirit to Jesus and claimed him as our Lord. Be sure to join us next time to find out what happens to wicked Haman. Calvary Chapel on Mountain is in the northwest part of Las Vegas at Rancho and Craig. Our Sunday morning services are at 9 or 11 a.m., and our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. We also have a midweek service at 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Come join us as we teach verse by verse through the Bible. As Pastor Jimmy likes to say, we'll see you here, there, or in the air. In the meantime, let's go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm Chuck Akery, and I invite you to join us again on Until the Whole World Hears.